Well, as we get ready for this word today, how many of you say, Pastor, I need to learn about this Antichrist because I feel he is here. You guys excited for this word today? All right. I'm excited for this word. I believe we've saved the best for last. Because as this message was planned for the last Sunday of Hell Series, the war broke out in Israel, which we're going to see today is very, very much a prophetic thing that's happening today in the Middle East. So I invite you, see, it's why you can't depend on screens all the time. You'll never see me in an iPad up here, by the way. But I invite you to turn with me, if you can, to Matthew 24, verse 32. That's Matthew 24, verse 32. Grab your Bibles, grab your phones, or there's a Bible right in front of you in the pew. That's how old school we're going. So you grab that Bible right in front of you in the seat and go to Matthew 24 and 32. And in old school fashion, when you have it, say, Amen. Matthew 24, verse 32. And I know the millennials and Gen Z here is having a hard time flipping pages. <laughs> Matthew 24, 32. Amen. Can I read it? Matthew 24, verse 32. The Word of God says this. Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know the summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that it is near. He is near right at the door. Notice what Jesus says. So when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven or the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, there were eating and drinking, marrying and giving into marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand it until the flood came and took them away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. There will be two men in the field. One will be taken. The other will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other one will be left. Therefore, Jesus says in verse 32, Therefore, be alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at the time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you also must be ready. Everyone say, be ready. For this reason, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at the hour when you not think He will. Let's pray. 
Father, we know and believe in your coming. Father, I pray that everyone that hears this word today would either be thankful that they're ready for your coming or be warned that you are coming and they better be ready. Father, without a projector screen, without any of that, I'm going to ask you to help me preach this word the way you need it to be preached. Give us ears to hear and a heart to understand. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. You guys can have a seat as we get into this word today. As we close the end of our hell series, Matthew 24. Jesus says to his disciples, be ready. As Jesus was walking with his disciples, his disciples would ask him about the end times and his disciples asked him, what will be a sign that the end is near? We're going to talk about this morning what some of those signs are. But one of the things that Jesus repeated to his disciples was be ready. Be ready. In fact, it reminds me, when I was a child, maybe you remember this, growing up we used to play hide-and-go-seek. And everyone would go out and disperse and hide as one person would count down. And as that person count down, three, two, one, with the loudest voice, that person would say, ready or not, hear I, what church? Come. Ready or not, here I come. And I remember as a kid, many times as I played, sometimes I was ready, but sometimes I was caught off guard. But no matter what happened, no matter what time it was, when that timer went down, whether you were ready or not, it was Time. What a picture of what Jesus is telling his disciples and to the church in the book of Matthew. He's saying that time is coming down. And there will come a point that Jesus says, I'm at the door. And when the time is right and the time is ready, you will not know it. But Jesus, in the sounds of a trumpet, will tell the world, ready or not. Here I come. And in just a moment, the Lord will come back for His church. Just imagine with me this. That Jesus says there would be a generation that would see the end times. There would be a generation to come that would see the return of Christ and the rapture. There will be a generation that would see signs that the end was near. You see, we know that Jesus talked a lot about hell over 70 times. But did you know that over 300 times Jesus mentioned the end times? And if you do the math in the Gospels, that means after every 30 verse, Jesus would mention the end times. The end times is happening. The end times is real. And Jesus will soon come again. And the rapture will take place. 
And Jesus says, you will see signs. And this generation will see the rapture. Verse 40, Jesus says, then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken. The other will be left. There will be women and grinding in the mills. One will be taken. The other will be left. My question to you, church, this morning is which one will you be? Will you be the ones that were taken, raptured to be joined with Christ? Or will you be the one that was left behind? Left to wonder why you did not truly Surrender your life to Jesus. Why all these years in the church was fake. While you lived in your sin and in the world. There are two types of people the Bible says clearly. One will be taken. And the other. Left. Jesus says many. As we learned last week will be lost thinking they're saved. That means that there will be many people, if the rapture would happen right now, today, many will be left behind. Many will try to find a church, but there'll be no church. You'll find, you'll try to find a good pastor, but you won't find any good pastor because the real pastors will be with them in heaven. You'll be left. Behind. First Thessalonians 4.16. What does this look like? Jesus says this. That they will be taken. First Thessalonians 4.16. The Bible says, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpets of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That's all the Christians that had died before the rapture, they will come out first. Then we who are alive, that could be us today right now, will be caught up. The word caught up literally means in that land to be raptured, taken, snatched. So we who are alive will be snatched up together with the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. This is one of the most great, this is the greatest family reunion the church is ever going to see. All the dead in Christ. This is my grandmother. This is who I think of right now. And my grandfather and the generations that served Jesus before me, they're going to come first. And we who are alive will be caught up to meet them with Jesus. So we're all going to get together with Jesus in glory when that day comes. Raptured. Taken. The Bible says, then those who are alive will remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort each other with these words. 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. What does that mean? 
faster than a blink. In a moment. In the twinkle of an eye. At the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we will be changed. The Bible is clear about the rapture. It's in a blink of an eye. Take one blink right now. Imagine living your life daily. Going to work, going to school, doing groceries, cutting the lawn, doing laundry, traveling, flying, driving, living your life. You blink one day and everything's normal. You blink another time, you don't think about it. You blink one more time and you're in heaven with Jesus. You're thinking, what happened? That was fast. That's how fast the rapture is going to be. In a blink of an eye. So Jesus says, be alert, because when that day comes, it will come in the blink of an eye. It will be fast. You don't know it. But when this day comes in the blink of an eye, you're not going to question, did it happen or not? Did I miss it or not? You will know that Jesus returned. You will know that the rapture happened, and you will know whether you have been caught up or left behind. You will not miss out on this. No one's going to go to work that day and say, hey, did you hear Jesus was in town? Hey, did you hear that Jesus showed up? Yeah, yeah, he showed up. Man, he, he took the church with him. Wow, that's crazy. You will not be so casual about this day. This will be a day like the world has never seen. This will be a day like chaos has never been felt. This is the day where everyone, the Bible says, will know that Jesus is Lord and He has returned for His church. Give Him praise and glory today. You will know whether you missed out on it or not. How would you best describe the rapture? Chaos. In a blink of an eye. I pray your Uber driver is not a Christian. Seriously. You better pray your Uber driver. Because in a blink of an eye, he's gone or she's gone. And that car is on autopilot. You're on your own. Better pray that pilot's not a believer. Think about the chaos when millions of millions of children and Christians suddenly vanish from the earth. Think about a world without true believers of Christ. Think about the immorality, the hatred, the anger, the agony, the chaos that's going to be in this world. Think about the destruction. Our world experiences microscopic chaotic problems and we fall apart. Let me give you an example. Some of you remember September 11. Raise your hand you remember September 11. September 11, not to belittle it, but it was three planes and about 2,000 plus people that died. 
That is a microscopic chaotic moment compared to the rapture when several planes will go under all around the world. Where machines that are operated by man will no longer be operatable because of Christians that were working with them. Imagine the chaos you're going to feel when the world's economy crashes because everyone has vanished. Imagine the death on the street. The diseases that will follow after weeks of decaying bodies everywhere. Imagine the financial collapse. I'm not talking the financial collapse of 2008. I'm not talking about the financial collapse of when COVID hit. I'm talking about a financial collapse that is completely worldwide where people will starve. Where there will be no money, no work. Do you know how people can get desperate during times like that? There will be robbery. There will be looting. There will be murder. You'll call the police, but the police won't show up. You'll try to find your missing loved ones, but no one's going to try to help you find them. The world will be selfishly in agony. As everyone that is left behind is left perplexed as to what happened. The government will cover it up as something out of this world. There will be misinformation everywhere. No one's going to sit here when they're left behind and say, clearly this was the Bible prediction. Clearly this was Jesus. The world will still hate Christ even after the rapture. The world will still hate Christians even after the rapture. Chaos will ensue all over the world. There will be hate and anger and selfishness and confusion. There will be no church, no teachers, no Bible. There will only be 144,000 people left behind who will convert into Christianity. That's it. But food will be scarce. People will be desperate. Death would be everywhere. Just to put a, a little micro picture of this, a few years ago there was a blackout in New York City. How many remember that? That lasted two days. In those two days, murder skyrocketed 400%. Looting was at an all-time high. It was chaos for two days because there was no electricity. Can you imagine the chaos that will come when the rapture occurs? And then he shows up. The Antichrist. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2.3, Regarding the Antichrist. Let no one in any way deceive you. Because this is a Bible verse written to a church that thought maybe Jesus came and they missed it. 
And Paul writes this letter to them and he says, let no one in any way deceive you. For it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God as an object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. You see, the Antichrist, when the world is in chaos, will be a world leader to show up, to bring peace. He will establish a one-world government, which is already being talked about in the UN. He will establish a one-world currency, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But this Antichrist will show up first as light, disguising his darkness. He will try to bring peace to the Middle East. He will try to bring peace onto Israel. And then after three and a half years after the rapture, which is the tribulation, he's going to show up as his true self. He's going to show up and profess to be God. He's going to want and require everyone to worship him. The Bible says that he will set himself up in the temple in Jerusalem to be worshipped. Here's the problem. The temple's been destroyed for generations. So this tells us that when the Antichrist comes, the temple of Jerusalem will have to be rebuilt. I want to tell you this morning that that temple already has the blueprints to be rebuilt. I've seen them. But something interesting happened when I was in Israel back in 2018. But I was, we were talking, a lot of the pastors I was with, we were in this building with people, rabbis that are part of what's called the Temple Institution. These are rabbis that are dedicated to rebuilding this temple. And they were able to show us blueprints of what the temple is going to look like, where it's going to be, the permits that they already have. And when all the pastors that I look at this, we looked at each other like, hey, this is happening. This temple is being rebuilt. But what's amazing is that there was a little roadblock they had for the temple to be rebuilt. And it was that, according to the book of Numbers, a red calf, a red cow, had to be slain, sacrificed, sprinkled with water over the temple floor to dedicate the temple. What's fascinating is that since the time of Moses till now, in Jewish tradition, there's only been nine cows. But in 2018, when we were in Israel, we found out through the temple institution that a tenth cow was born. A red cow. It looks kind of brownish. And it has no blemish. It's perfect. In order for this temple to be rebuilt, 
the rabbi said we have to have a cow sacrificed to cleanse the floor, to cleanse the temple. And if there's no cow, there's no temple. But now as of 2018, on 2018, August 28th, the red cow was born. And this cow lives a better life than you and I. It is well taken care of. It is fed. It is getting ready to be sacrificed. So once they sacrifice and cleanse the temple floor, they will begin construction. This is happening right now in real time. The Bible was clear that the Antichrist would show up and set himself up in the temple. And now we know that that temple is being rebuilt because the time is near. The Bible says that the Antichrist in Revelation 13, he will have a fatal wound. What does that mean? This Antichrist is going to show up and he's going to do something to kill himself. He's going to have a fatal wound. He's going to die. But the Bible says through demonic powers, he's going to raise himself up. And many people will see this. We know in order for everyone in the world to see it, technology had to have been around. We know that right now, certain events can be seen all over the world. Amen? We know that this is the time where something like this could take place. That this Antichrist will mock Jesus by coming back from the dead and everyone will be deceived and believing that he's God. And then he will be worshipped. The Bible mentions that the Antichrist will be a homosexual. If you would have read that in the 1950s, you would have said that is crazy. There could never be a world leader that's gay. What about now? We look at world leaders that are homosexuals and we just bat an eye. No big deal. But the Bible was clear that the Antichrist would show up and set himself up in the temple to be God. He will be a homosexual who is very arrogant and narcissistic and wanting to be worshipped. He will blaspheme, the Bible says in Revelation, God. He will want all the saints, all the Christians that converted during the rapture and all the Jews. He wants them dead. In order for this to happen, there has to be a hatred for Jews and Christians. And what are we seeing right now? This Antichrist is going to rise to be worshipped. But in verse 16 of Revelations, let me read this to you. The Bible says, that when this Antichrist shows up, he's going to establish a one-world currency. Think about that. One-world currency. Money that can be used around the entire world. Have you noticed lately that lately we are going more and more and more cashless? My parents are from a generation that grew up without credit cards. Some of you are so old you remember when credit cards were invented. Think about that. You didn't trust it? Right, Mom? You didn't trust it? But think about now, when was the last time any of us really used cash? Or even had cash on us? Everything is being done not only with cards anymore, but with our phones. 
We're establishing right now, the UN had a meeting just in the Geneva Convention, and one of the greatest talks they had of that main priority, the main priority of that day was a one world currency. In order to protect us from inflation, in order to protect us from a dying dollar, we should all develop, Biden said, a one world currency. We are getting entertained with the idea that's going to usher in the Antichrist. And we're buying into it. But the Bible says in verse 16, He, that's the Antichrist, causes all the small and great and rich and poor and free men and slaves to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Listen what the Bible is saying. Here is the wisdom. Let him who understands calculate the number of the beast for the number that is on the man. His number is 666. That's 666. Six is the number of man. Six represents the devil. Six represents the Antichrist. And six represents the false prophets that would lead the nation astray to worship the Antichrist. This is a mark that the Bible says will be your allegiance to this Antichrist. And if you don't have this mark, you cannot buy, you cannot sell, you cannot trade, you cannot work, you cannot provide for your family, you cannot eat. And don't tell me that could never happen. Look at what happened just three years ago during COVID. We never would have imagined a government rising up to tell us where we can shop, when we can eat, and what we have to wear. But it happened, didn't it, church? I remember in California, they told me in Jericho, you can't eat here without your vaccine. Now, I'm not saying the vaccine is the mark of the beast. That's crazy. But I am saying this. It is not crazy to think a government can force you to do something in order to live your life. The Antichrist will require everyone that worships him to take this mark, to buy and trade. Fascinating today. Technology companies are racing for this technology. Amazon just came out recently, and there are 500 people testing it right now, shopping with your hands. With no wallet, with no cash, no car. When I saw this video, the woman just shows up, puts her hand over the screen, grabs her groceries, and walks away. Because Amazon is racing for this technology to be the first. AT&T is racing and competing for this technology. The chip is already being developed in Europe. Several people are already infatuated, already trying it out. This is real. This is coming. This is not a conspiracy. This is not radical. This is biblical. 
If the things I'm saying now would have been said just 40 years ago, we would have said, there's no way, there's no technology like that. But can I say this now and all of you agree, this is very possible? The Bible says in Revelations 24, I saw the throne and those that sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or the image had not received the mark on their foreheads and their hands. See, the Bible says clearly that during judgment, when all the Christians are together receiving their rewards, those who have been raptured, Later on, the people that are going to join us are those that got saved during the rapture. We believe that these are a lot of Jewish people that become Christians. They have their faith in Jesus Christ. They refuse to worship the beast. They refuse to take the mark. And the only answer to this is death. They will all be beheaded. And they will, with honor, die for Jesus. You know why I admire these people? Because during the tribulation, during the times after the rapture, there's not a time for wishy-washy Christians or backslidden people. People that serve Jesus Christ during the tribulation will serve Him till the death. And they will lose their life for it. The Antichrist will show up. And many people will worship. All of us are familiar with hurricanes. When a hurricane is coming, we're warned. When a hurricane is coming, it's amazing how many people, all of us know this person. We have one in every family. There's one person that always tells you, ah, eso no viene, that's not coming. If you don't know anyone, that's because that person's you. There are a lot of people when this rapture comes, they're going to say, oh, that's not going to happen. You're going to think right now I'm being crazy. Right now this pastor is wild. There's no way. Listen, you'll remember. But there are those that think, no, this is not going to happen. But something interesting as a hurricane approaches closer to Miami, things start changing. There are signs around us that tell us this is showing up. This is going to happen. For example, birds begin to migrate and leave because they have more brains than people do. The wind begins to shift and go harder and harder. The sky begins to get darker. Rain, rain clouds begin to come in and pour in until it's too late and the hurricane hits. But before the hurricane hits, there are signs all around us that are telling us this is coming. This is what Jesus was saying in Matthew 24. He was saying, there will be signs that I'm near. There will be signs that will show you that this is coming. And there will be a generation that will know 
I'm here. And I want to tell you this morning, I believe without a doubt in all my heart, we are this generation. We know this because Jesus said, look at the fig tree. And when the fig tree blossoms, that generation will see my return. The fig tree is a symbolism to Israel. And it says when you see Israel established and growing and flourishing, that's going to be the generation that's going to see Christ. And Israel was established and flourishing in 1948. It was a prophecy that was fulfilled. How many of you were around in 1948? Show me your hands. Okay, a lot of young people in this church. But there are people out there that will tell you, I remember. And that's the generation that says, when this happens, the countdown has started. Jesus says there are signs all around. Matthew 24, verse 3. It says, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when we will see all these things happen. And what will be a sign of your coming? And of the end of your age? Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come to me in my name saying, I'm the Christ, and he will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for these are must come to place. But the end is not yet. For nations will rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. In various places there will be famine and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you from tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. And at that time, many will fall away and will betray one another, hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and misled men. Because lawlessness is increased, most people, their love will grow cold. Some of the signs that Jesus demonstrated, he said, are birth pains, contractions. I have no idea what these are like. But I know that as contractions come and again, the baby comes closer, the contractions get worse and worse and worse. Am I right, ladies? Amen? Jesus said this, when you see these things getting worse and worse and worse, you'll know I'm near. He gave general signs, famines, earthquakes, wars, false messiahs. General, because many people will say, oh, we've always had wars. We've always had famines. We've always had people claiming to be the Savior. But Jesus got specific as well, not just general. Look at verse 9. He says, there will be a generation, verse 9, they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you 
and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Jesus says one of the things that's going to get worse is persecution for Christians. Hatred for all things Jesus. The world will come against Christians, and this is going to get worse. Church, do you believe this is getting worse? Do you realize that Christianity is the only religion people mock? In Hollywood, in movies, they don't touch Hinduism, they don't touch Muslims, they don't touch Gandhi, they don't touch any of that, but they make fun of Jesus. They make fun of Christians. They're hated. They're spit upon. They're rejected. They're mocked. They're despised. And Jesus says, when you see that people will hate you because of me, because you're a Christian, people will reject you. You know this is me here. They will deliver you to tribulation. Notice he says, they're going to deliver you. They're going to persecute you. You're going to lose your job. You're going to get canceled. You're going to be hated. You're going to be rejected because of your faith. That's a sign. It says at the time, many, Jesus says, here's another sign, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Jesus said there's going to be a generation where people who are professing Christians are going to fall away and this is going to get worse and worse and worse. And let me just tell you, the statistics show us through LifeWay that since the year 2000 up to now, we have had 23 million professing Christians leave the faith. 23 million. And this is only getting worse as we are the generation that wants nothing to do with Christ, nothing to do with His church, and more and more generations are leaving the church in a rapid rate, just leaving the faith altogether, becoming atheist, agnostic, worldly. Why? It has to happen. Jesus says it's a sign. The time many will fall away. Can we check that box today? Here's another box to check. Many false prophets. A prophet is someone that just simply spoke the word of God. This could be pastors. Said many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. There's going to come a generation where people are going to claim to be speaking the word of God, but misleading countless people. I believe this is the generation we're living in right now, where we have pastors preaching heresy in the pulpit, and people are just eating it up. Where pastors like myself that are true and preaching the word of God remain struggling because no one wants to hear the truth. You're going to have all these pastors show up preaching a false gospel. And that's why today you don't see churches preaching repentance anymore. Or sin. That's getting worse, amen? Jesus says that's the sign. Lawlessness will increase. My mom's generation was a generation that the worst thing they did was chew gum in class. This is a generation where kids are bringing guns to school. 
killing people for no reason. Lawlessness has increased. Not just in Democrat-led cities. There is a generation that has no respect for rules anymore. Lawlessness is increasing. People are living immoral lifestyles. Living however they want, accept their truth and force it down your throat. Jesus says there will come a generation where lawlessness, contrary to the Word of God, is what the word lawless means. That's going to be at an all-time high. And when we look at the generation we're in right now, don't tell me that we are living in times where everything is moral. Lawlessness increases. Jesus said these are signs. On Wednesday, I want to show you prophecies till today that are being fulfilled. That Jesus tells us when this happens, you're the generation. Let me just give you one. May 14, 1948. Jesus said Israel will become a nation. Until then, Israel was dispersed all around the world. Jesus says, when you see the fig tree established and flourished, and Isaiah prophesied, when Israel becomes a nation, you will be that generation. 1948, on May 14th, Israel became a nation. And I believe that's when the clock started counting down. And more and more prophecies were being fulfilled. In fact, all of them have been fulfilled already. This could happen at any moment, church. Jesus says they will hate you because of me. Lawlessness will increase. Jesus says in verse 12, not only will lawlessness increase, but most people's love will grow cold. Can we check that box off today? Are we not living in some of the coldest times we've ever lived in? People have no love for one another anymore. I saw this just this Friday when I was fishing with my brother. There, there was a, a, an old lady struggling. She was trying to get her buckets and all her fishing rods to go catch some catfish. And, and she was struggling to pick everything up. And I saw three strong men, young men, walking. They saw that. They didn't care. Just walked away. Ignored her. And when I picked up her buckets and I said, ma'am, let me help you. She looked at me and said, really? I said, yes, ma'am, where can I take this to help you? Let me carry this for you. And she said, you just call me ma'am? I said, yes, ma'am. I haven't heard that in years from a young person. She was so happy as I was walking with the bucket to help her. She called someone. I don't know who she called. She calls her friend and says, Girl, you're not going to believe this. There's still good people in the world. 
The good Lord has sent someone to help me out. Praise Jesus. And when I heard that, I said, ma'am, are you a Christian? And she says, yes, I am. And she goes, me too. And she goes, I knew it. Because no one can love like that anymore. Because it shocks people when people do something in love now. And Jesus said this will be a sign. Love will go cold. Have you realized how cold people have become? Jesus says that's a sign. Second Timothy 3.1 Church, how am I doing without a screen? All right, I'm trying, I'm trying. Second Timothy 3.1 but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. And here's a generation Jesus talked about that. We were to be like, that would never happen. Men will be lovers of themselves. Just the word self, what does that sound like? Selfie, the selfie generation. People will be lovers of self. It's all about me. My wants, my desires. I don't like this. I'm offended. You're done. I'm canceling you. I hate you. It's all about me. I want me, me, me. We will become a generation that's our lovers of themselves. They will be so narcissistic. And that's why I look at social media today and it's full of lovers of self. With their selfie-looking, duck-lip, pouting, but showing, look at me, look how nice, look how beautiful, look at what I'm driving, look at where I live, look at where I'm vacationing, look at what I'm wearing, look at what I have, look at this, look at that, look at me, me, oh my goodness, I love me, follow me, follow me like me. We are a generation says that will love themselves, lovers of money, Jesus said. Boastful, arrogant, disobedient to parents. Can we check that one alone? Jesus says, mark this, the end time, you'll see a generation where kids are disobedient to parents. I came from a generation that if I tried to disrespect my parents, I have no memory of it. I can't tell you what happened after. It wasn't a timeout. Mom says, no, I'll put you on knockout. That's what it was. We weren't disrespectful to our parents. We tried. Amen, Stephanie? We tried. <laughs> all, all the kids, all, all the guys my age, we're, we're all shivering right now. I remember. Today, have you seen what kids, how they're treating their parents? disobedient, I do what I want, I don't care who you are. And it says they'll become ungrateful. This is the most ungrateful generation that has ever lived. Where everything is deserved, everything is titled, entitled. It's all about me, just give it to me. The Bible says there will be ungrateful times, there will be unholy 
unloving, malicious, gossip, without self-control. That's the generation we're living in right now. Look at the gossip there is. No, there's not. Listen, what do you think X or Twitter is? It's all gossip. There will be a generation where all you want to know is what people are saying. Unholy. Without self-control. And this is the generation we're in right now. Jesus says in the end, people will have no self-control. If you want it, get it. Do what you want. Do what feels right. Live your truth. Go by what you feel. You want it, get it. It's all about you. No self-control. Haters of good. Treacherous, the Bible says. Reckless. Conceited. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to a form of godliness but denying his power. Jesus says in the end times, people will have a form of godliness, but be ungodly. Meaning, there will be many people in the church living sinful lives. How is that possible? How can you have a form of godliness, yet deny its power? It can only mean that there will be a generation where churches will tolerate sin. Can we check that box off right now? Where people today are just tolerating sin? Tolerating the life of ungodliness? Did you see the Dove Awards this year? One of the artists that were in the Dove Awards, his name is Flamey Grant. A drag queen who's on the top 20 billboard charts for Christian music. Look it up. He's blowing up right now. With a hit song, Bible Belt Baby, where he, in the music video, I, I even tried to get Jericho to watch it, and she couldn't. She said, this is disgusting. He mocks a pastor preaching the word of God. In the music video, he comes in with a bunch of trannies just in the church making flamboyant remarks, saying, Mama caught me in heels and in a bra, and this is who I am, and the church should embrace it. That's the person that was representing the double words. We're a generation of churches saying, Hey, Come as you are. Be who you are. Live how you want to live. Love is love. And if love is love, remember that God is just. We're tolerating. That's why Jesus says, like the days of Noah and like the days of Lot. Why did he say that will be the end times? Because during the times of Noah, wickedness was at an all-time high. God said that he saw man and every inclination of their heart was to sin. And like the times of Sodom, what was the word Sodom where we get our word sodomy from? There was a hyper-sexualized culture. Homosexuality was on the rise in Sodom. People were living their lives. But you know what Jesus said here? Like the days of Noah and like the days of Sodom, people will be eating and drinking and marrying and living their life. Why did Jesus say that? He says, you know it's the end when wickedness will be all-time high like Noah and homosexuality and sexual immorality will be everywhere and people will still be living their life like nothing. Eating, drinking, getting married. That's where we're at right now. 
We're a generation that doesn't see people stand up for the word of God anymore. We just tolerate. We just accept it. We condone it. Praise it. And even worship it. Jesus says, when you see that generation that tolerates wickedness and sin, I'm at the door. Church, are we there right now? 2 Peter 2.7. I'll close with this. If he rescued righteous lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of the unprincipled men in his generation. For what he saw and heard, the righteous man while living among them felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Day after day, everything Lot heard and everything Lot saw was lost. Bible says while Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah as a righteous man, everything he saw and everything he heard contradicted God and it tormented him. Jesus mentioned Sodom in the end times because he says there will be a generation where my people can no longer tolerate and they're being tormented by everything they see and hear. There will be a generation of Christians that everything around them will be ungodly don't tell me that we are not that generation. Everywhere you look, everything you hear is sinful right now. You can't even watch TV without stumbling into sin anymore. You can't even watch a program on Netflix anymore because as soon as you put it on, there it is. They put it in there somewhere. Immorality and wickedness is everywhere. And Jesus says, this is a sign of the times. You will see an increase in wickedness. You will see hatred in Christianity. You will see a hypersexualized, immoral culture among you. Love will grow cold. People will be selfish. And Jesus says, I will be at the door. And it's my prayer this Wednesday you show up for Bible study because I'm going to take you through all the prophecies Jesus mentioned that have been fulfilled today. I'll show you the red cow. I'll show you the temple plans. I'll show you everything that's lighting up to Scripture. And Jesus saying, this is real. This is happening. And Jesus said it clearly. Be ready. My prayer is that this sermon today was completely useless because you will be raptured with the church. That's my prayer, that this sermon today will apply to no one in this room. I pray I'm wasting my breath in Jesus' name. I pray that all of us would be together in heaven, raptured if God would say today, and I would be in heaven saying, wow, what a waste of a sermon that was, right, church? That's my prayer. But the reason I preach it is because Jesus preached it, that some will be snatched 
and others will be blessed. Don't come looking for me. I won't be here. But church, be ready. Because Jesus says, ready or not, here I come. That's why on October 7th, as I woke up one Saturday morning to the news of Israel being attacked, I was on my knees in prayer. I remember with a tear in my eye doing my Bible study that morning, worshiping because I said, Lord, what we're seeing right now in the Middle East is a testimony and a sign that you're getting closer than ever. And I'll explain to you on Wednesday why, but let me just tell you now that the war in the Middle East is prophetic. And Jesus spoke about a time that all the nations around Israel will come against them. And Jesus prophesied. And in the Bible, the book of Ezekiel prophesied that the neighbors from the north, that's Russia, would join forces with Persia, that's Iran. And let me tell you something about this verse. If there's any verse that's most likely never was to happen, it would be that one. Because Russia and Iran for 2,000 years have never been in any way, shape, or form in an alliance. But now, with this war, there are talks that Russia is about to join in. And all the countries around Iran as well. And Russia will join. They won't want to, the Bible says, but they're going to pull them by the nose, meaning they got leverage on them. And we know right now that Iran has supplied many, many weapons to Russia for the Ukraine war. And now Iran has a lot of leverage on Russia to come down to the Middle East to help them fight the world in Israel. Here's the good news. The Bible says Israel will win. Israel will conquer. Because that is Jewish land. But when you see this war in the news, you better know that every prophecy has already been fulfilled. The time is coming. The time may be now. And in John 14, 1 through 3, as we all stand to our feet, Jesus said to his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. It were not so, I would not have told you. For I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, he says, I will come again. Can we all say that together? I will come again. And receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Give them praise in the house of God today. Jesus told his disciples about the end times. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And as he spared Noah and as he spared Lot, the Lord Jesus will spare his church from the coming tribulation to come. Do not let your hearts be troubled. If you know without a doubt you're a born-again believer, you're a Christian that is saved, 
this sermon is not only pointless to you, you have nothing to work. It's just for those that aren't sure. So as I close this series and this message, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to be sure. If you're sure today, put your hand up. Pastor, I'm sure. See, I noticed some of you here today can't. And as your pastor, that scares me. Because this sermon might not be pointless. It might be the sermon that saves you. Don't be left behind. Don't play games with Jesus because I'm telling you right now, these signs are coming. And in a minute, in a second, in a blink of an eye, the church will be gone from this. You will be left to suffer the tribulation. And it's better you get saved now than during those seven years earlier. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if this is you today, you think, Pastor, I need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I know I'm a sinner, but I've been living in the world. I'm not sure if I'm really saved. I come to church, but I don't know if this is real. But I don't want to be those that are left behind. I don't want to be those that suffer the torment of hell. Jesus Christ came to die on the cross for our sins so that he who believes will be saved. And there are two ways a believer is going to see Jesus. It's when you die or when you're raptured. One or the other. And some of us, we don't even know that we're the generation, we may not even see death. We might be taken just like that. I pray that you'll be ready. If this is you today, would you put your hand up and say, Pastor, I want to be ready. I'm going to give my life to Jesus as we close this. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you there. Would you join hands with that person next to you? All across your room, let's just join hands to close this series. This has been a five-week series that has attacked the devil to his knees. And as we join hands together, I want you to pray this with me. Let's pray two prayers today. Number one, if you're here today, you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Jesus say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins, my lawlessness, and I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me, Lord, and save me as I make you the Lord of my life. I surrender to you, Jesus. Father, I want to thank you. 
because you've given us a church that will preach your word, your word to the end. We may be a small church. We may be a church with no PowerPoint. But Father, we are a church that fears you, serves you, and honors you. And Father, I pray that you would continue to make our church be the light in the darkness. But I thank you, Jesus, that in this church, your word is taught. And in this church, I pray, Father, that everyone here today will be taken like that if today was the day. But Father, I pray in Jesus' name, this is my honest-to-God prayer today. Help us to live every day like it could be today. Lord, because I know that if you were to show up right now in the next hour, half the things we're worried about right now will not be a word. Half of the people we're mad at right now will not even be someone we're mad at. Half of the things we're caught up in are not even going to matter. So help us to live a life like if you are coming this very next hour. In Jesus' name, that means, Father, that you help us to lead a life, to live a life where we reach more people for you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this series. Thank you for getting me through another October, Lord. Lord, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. It's been a long month for us as a church, as leaders, as pastors. But Father, I thank you for the opportunity always to preach your word in Jesus' name. Come on, give God some praise today, church. Amen.